There's already a, a stream flowing through this building. We don't want to interrupt that. Welcome to Spruce Grove Community Church. Hallelujah. Do you know that God is preparing you? God is training you. Say that. God is training me to be a part of the manifestation of heaven on earth. Can you say amen? amen? We are not waiting for something to happen. We're learning to make things happen. Because Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and he'll not come back until his enemies are made his footstool. And the Holy Spirit is here to train us how to do that. The Holy Spirit is the manifestation of God on earth right now. And that Holy Spirit is what is at work inside of you. So, Father, we want to say today, as we begin to worship you, as we begin to express our faith that says, Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, that the streams of life... I want you to just begin to see that, that as you open your sound, as you begin to worship him, that something of your faith is reaching up and opening, opening up the heavens and streams, ribbons of life are coming down to the earth all around this community. We declare today your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and all the earth and all the earth will be filled and all the earth will be filled and all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea deep inside of your spirit right now there's something that's reverberating because God planted inside of you a measure of what he was meaning to bring to the earth. And the scripture says, deep calls unto deep at the sound of your waterfall. And inside your spirit, there is a longing. There is a desire. There is a deep yearning that you are just beginning to understand. And in this sound, it has started to reverberate and surface in your being. But there's, there's no way with words, there's no way with intelligence to express it because it's just a longing, a deep, deep longing. Oh, we long. We long. Let's continue. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. We cry out. Now, we've already had a couple of words about things that are available. The truth is, when we ascend into his presence and when we seek his face, his face, his presence, his, the, the seeking of him is the highest thing. And when you truly begin to seek him, you get everything beneath that, which is all of his gifts, all of his supply, all of his healing. Everything necessary for life and godliness is provided in the knowledge of God. And so when we pursue him, as we begin to ascend that mountain of the Lord, we come upon places where the supply for meeting your need is there. It's just there. It's just in the air. And so if you need healing, if you need a touch, if you need encouragement, soak in of the atmosphere because we're, we're transcending, we're going through realms of supply. Whether it be healing or deliverance, the main thing is ascension, drawing near to his face. He is the answer to the human condition. I'm just going to release our guest that's with us to share a few things so as we continue to, with the sounds of the Spirit. And right now, even within this sound, there's something in it. The, the sound is just the vehicle 
there is something in the sound that can touch you right now. There's a joy in it. There's a lightness. There's an encouragement. There's almost a playfulness in this sound that it's part of that supply of things that are coming from the throne room of God. So receive Michael, and you don't have to wonder if he's on or anything like that. Michael, just come and uh, as a part of the worship, prophesy, whatever you feel. Don't hold back, band. Just as we were in worship there, I could just feel there's, uh, there's an anointing in the room right now for people dealing with issues of blood and blood disorders. And that, that might include cancers, might include AIDS, might include different things like that. But if that's you right now, I just want you to put your hand on your heart right now. And I'm just going to release over you the healing anointing. So Father, we just release the healing anointing right now in Jesus' name, Lord God. And the Lord said that this wasn't just a healing. Okay, there's a difference between a miracle and a healing. Miracles are instantaneous. Healings are progressive. And what the Lord said is he wanted to release specifically a miracle anointing this morning for breakthrough in those areas. So put your level of expectation, your level of faith right there right now. So, Father, in Jesus' name right now, we send forth your word, Lord God. And, Father, as we step our hand, Lord God, to the garment, to touch the hem of your garment, Lord God, that, Father, immediately the issue of blood was fixed. Immediately, immediately. So, Lord, we release that in Jesus' name right now. I just feel like there's, there's somebody here right now this morning. There may be more than one of you. You have a family member or a child that's dealing with Down syndrome. Who is that? Lift your hand up so I can see who that is. Down syndrome, right there? All right, there might be more. Just keep your hand up for me. Back there, okay. Yeah, I knew there was more than one. All right. All right, church, this is what we're going to do right now. We're going to contend for the shifting of the chromosomes right now in Jesus' name for that. So just, just lock in on that right now. Father, we're contending right now in Jesus' name for breakthrough over Down syndrome, Lord God. And Father, this would be a place, Lord God, it'd be like a, a resonance pool, Lord God, that would hold the anointing for Down syndrome breakthrough. So, Father, in Jesus' name right now, we prophesy to the chromosomes. We call them to come into alignment right now in Jesus' name. We command every cell right now, as those cells regenerate, as they regenerate, they're going to regenerate with perfect chromosomes. Perfect chromosomes, exactly the right number. Perfect regeneration of the cells in Jesus' name. Lord, we release it now. We release it now in Jesus' name. Let's keep hearing the word epilepsy going through my head right now. Who's struggling with epilepsy? Has a family member that has epilepsy? Just wave at me. Anybody? Epilepsy? Right there? All right. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we release the healing anointing for epilepsy right now. In Jesus' name, no more. Father, we just release a rewiring right now in Jesus' name, a rewiring of the brain. Father, we thank you, God. You are the author and creator of the brain. And, Lord, we just command a rewiring right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we declare an end to epilepsy right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One of the things that God is restoring to the church is the ability to seek him. And, uh, you know, the enemy has tried in so many ways to get us to just stop where we're at. Say, well, you know, when you get the Holy Spirit, you get all of the Holy Spirit, not just a part of it. And that's true. You get the person of the Holy Spirit. But it would be foolish for us to suggest that we presently have acquired and are walking in and materialized everything that has been given. That just, that nobody would even suggest that. So when we are seeking the Lord, we are trying to transcend thresholds of what we actually walk in. What you walk in, what you can administer to others concerning the Holy Spirit is what you actually own right now. Not what you theoretically believe to be true. Oh, yeah, God God has everything. Well, that's great. Can I have some of that everything, please? Some portion? Well, you know, we don't know how that works. Well, that's the point. We are trying to discover how that works. And so we are seeking Him. We are on a, we are on a discovery journey. We are pilgrims. We are explorers. We know that weapons exist 
that can pull down strongholds. We know there's a church that can be built against which the enemy cannot prevail. I haven't seen it. I've seen a church that can be divided. I've seen Christians that can be taken down. I can be, I've seen leaders that can fall. That doesn't tell me that the other is not possible. It tells me we haven't touched it yet. And so we are here as seekers. And a wise man long time ago, he said, you know, I'd rather hit 90% or shoot for 90% and get 30 than shoot for 30% and get 20. When Solomon asked God for wisdom and not for long life, not for riches, not for gold, you know what he got? He got long life. He got riches. He got everything because wisdom was a higher thing. And when you reach for the higher thing, you get everything beneath it. Everything else is included in that package. And when you come here to seek the Lord, you get every, if you find him, everything else in the package that you might require is given. But you can't be pretending, you know, it's a hard thing. You can't be pretending to seek him when you're not. You know, sometimes I have five children. Sometimes my children come to me and the sentence begins, oh, dad, I love you so much. That may be, but this is not real. What do you want? And when we come and we sing our Christian songs, oh, Lord, we want you, there is a difference. There's a, there is a, a dissonance between what you say you want and what you really want. And part of what God is doing in our lives is showing us that dissonance, showing us the separation between what our heart seeks and what our mouths say we want. But I tell you what, when, God, when we allow God to adjust through the manifestation of hunger, through the manifestation of that deep cry that's inside of you that he put in there, as we begin to align with that thing and we begin to truly seek him, we start to get what it is we seek. And he's looking right now to establish in this day a generation of Jacob, a generation who those who have heard the sound that says, seek my face, and whose response is, your face, Lord, I will seek. This is the generation of Jacob, the generation of those who seek his face. And here's what happens when we actually try to seek his face. We start to realize that his desire is for the nations to come, that the nations would be trophies in the house of the Lord, every tribe, every nation. The fuel of missions is not obligation. It is when, in the pursuit of the heart of the Father, you, release, you realize that his deepest desire is that every tribe and every nation and every people, and it's here in the room right now, the desire. When Isaiah came into that place and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he was startled by the beauty, the majesty the greatness of our God. But then the secrets of the heart of God began to trickle out and he began to realize that God was seeking for a man. God was seeking for a people who would align with his heart. And he hears, who, who will go? And suddenly his, the depth of his being is gripped by the desire of the Father. And he responds to the call and he says, Send me. This is the birthing of apostolic kingdom ministry in the earth. When we come into his heart and we begin to own his heart, then the administration of that kingdom begins to seamlessly unfold in our lives as we answer the call to influence and to go on behalf of the king. And some of us will go to the city of Spruce Grove, and some of us will go to the county, and some of us will go to the nations. But more than anything, we seek your heart. We just want to seek your heart to be transformed. Let him tug you just a little deeper. Let him pull you in just a little further. So, Lord, we present ourselves, and we don't care what we are. And we don't care what we're not. We say, only you have the power to change us. So we say, Lord, more power, more glory, more power, more glory, more power, more glory. For those of you that are visiting today, I want to say to you, that worship is not entertainment. 
its encounter. And all too often what we do is we have a momentary visitation, something that's just incrementally slightly higher than anything we've ever experienced. And then we spend the next 20 years trying to replicate that moment by reproducing the artificial steps or the steps we thought we took, but they are artificial. Instead, God is training us to navigate what seemed like like an unending, shifting labyrinth up the mountain of the Lord. And it's only acquired by those who truly hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so we're cultivating not a system, but a, but a heart that longs for Him. And then we're looking for spontaneous expressions that, that express that sincere, devoted heart in order that we might see Him taste and see that he is good. And the consequence of experiencing him is that something spills out upon our lives that cannot be rescinded, that something spills out upon our minds and our emotions and our bodies, on our understanding that becomes a part of who we are from here on out. We are changed as we see him. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Just thank Him right now. Thank you, God, for everything you've given us. Thank you, God, for destroying the idols of religiosity in our life. And God, those self-fulfilling desires that you've broken and undermined and resisted. God, thank you for taking us to this place in our lives. We say, Lord, purify the altar of our hearts. Even more. Even more. Amen. We just don't want to step out of this realm. That's all right. Shake the earth. Shake the deep. Shake the earth. We have the promise that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And the only reason that's not taking place is because the people who are meant to do the shaking still have things in them that can be shaken. And so God can only expose us to a degree of shaking equal to that which we've entered into. But make no mistake about it that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, and a people arising, arising in the earth who cannot be shaken. And so when circumstances come on your life that shake you, it is not to uh, shake you per se, but to show you of what can be shaken so that you can distance yourself from those things, that you allow the eternalization of those things that cannot be shaken in exchange for what can be. But the truth is what God's going to do is establish what cannot be shaken, and everything around it will be shaken. We had a scenario a number of years ago where in, in our church in Vancouver, there was a church that was connected to us in Hong Kong of large church, influential, thousands. And, uh, and uh, something happened where that church began to call our church a cult. And... Uh, in the long and short of it, they became a cult and was written off by all of the churches in Hong Kong around the world. It was, it was terrible. But a prophetic voice came to Vancouver, and during the night she had a dream, and she had a dream that there was this small building, and there was this, there was this connection to a large building. She didn't know anything about the structure or the church plants or anything. And she said, I see a small building and I see a large building, and everything is starting to shake. And suddenly the big building is starting to shake. And the connection between these two buildings is shaken. But what she said, what's most interesting is the shaking is coming from the small building. And the Lord is preparing us not just to not be shaken, but be the source of the shaking. Jesus was a shaker. Jesus was a source of shaking. Jesus was a force that was unmovable, unshakable. And when he stepped into the arena of the political and the social and the religious life of Jewish, of Jewish existence, he shook everything that can be shaken. He didn't even have to do anything. His mere presence shook things. His mere presence caused an exposure of those things that were dark. This is the kind of people that God is raising up into the earth. Movers and shakers. We prophesy a generation of movers and shakers.
we prophesy a people. We prophesy an exchange between heaven and earth that will touch a generation, that will establish our young people in a, in a, in a momentum of the kingdom, a speed, an agility, an apprehension, an intuition that's above what the earth has ever seen. We say, ho, come forth, come forth in the earth, come forth. Come on, let your spirit prophesy that. Let your spirit apprehend that. Let your spirit grab a hold of that. I want to be that. We just speak alignment, alignment. Let the sound of the Lord bring your being into alignment. Father, we say you have made us in your image. And that image has been distorted by sin. But Lord, your word, your, your sound is able to restore. And so we, we say, Lord, let the sound of the Lord fill the earth. What could we enter if we gave ourselves to truly seeking the Lord more than for an hour? What if conferences became episodes of intense seeking? How deep does the rabbit hole go? There's a scene in a movie from years ago, Back to the Future, where, who's the guy? The actor, Michael, Michael J. Fox. He's in the past, and it's at the beginning of rock and roll. And so he jumps and opens up a dimension of the music that is future. But he takes them beyond their comfort zone. But he really, he's uncovering the nature of the spirit that they're actually embracing that moment, just not the extremes of which will come later. Now that, that spirit, there is a spirit of rebellion that creates a certain kind of music, the generations of which get increasingly evil. In the same way, there is a sound b born of heaven that causes a manifestation of the kingdom of God. But in the same way, in one generation, people can be uncomfortable with where this is going. We have topped out many times from generation to generation. But there's coming a generation who will say, Lord, I don't care what the earth says. I want everything. I want, I want the full measure of what you mean to bring to the earth. I don't want to stop at what is comfortable to me, what I understand, what makes sense to my life. I believe your wisdom is higher, and I'm willing to abandon mine in exchange for yours because I believe. The death of your understanding and stepping into that supernatural realm is not an easy transition. It is always death. But God calls every generation to die to your own understanding. It's that old proverb, lean not on your own understanding. Well, what does that mean? That means nothing you know can prepare you for what comes next. Oh, I'm not sure I like that. It is the cost of doing business with God. And what is this really about if we are not increasing that exchange between heaven and earth? And I've just come from three days where we're talking about things that need to happen in the earth, and we're talking from an economic standpoint, a social standpoint, a governmental standpoint. We had uh, economists that advised the, Federa uh, the Federal Reserve in the United States giving uh, sharing lectures. I mean, these are global authorities in the realm of economics who understand the underpinnings of what's going on in the earth. And they know that something is being shaken and there are no solutions out there. But let me tell you, there's going to become a natural expression of a wisdom, but it must be accompanied and birthed by a spiritual expression, an intercession, a prayer, a longing, a pressing into something. And we got to learn to be unashamed about that. You know, there's a scripture here in Jeremiah, and don't get totally in your minds, but in Jeremiah 12, 5, and it says this, it says, if you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend with horses? The Lord is preparing a generation to contend with proverbial horses. 
The Lord is not content with, through the kingdom of God, satisfying you with a peaceful atmosphere, a home, an economy that meets your immediate need. That is not his vision. That's a token of his vision. What his vision is, is that all the earth would worship him. All the earth. That principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places would know the wisdom of God because it will be demonstrated in a people, in the lives of a people who have fully embraced his wisdom. And there are many of us, we reach these plateaus in our lives, we say, oh, oh God, it's too much. And, and there are people here in the last couple of months, God, this is too much. And God is looking at you like he's looking at uh, Jeremiah. He's saying, listen, this is nothing. This is nothing. If you want, I'll hold back. But he's really wanting a people to say, no, Lord, shake me more. Shake, establish me in an unshakable way. I mean, if we can't deal with the simple circumstances of conflict that are before us, how are we going to go into the lion's den? How are we going to go into the cities? The Muslim cities where, you know, the, the concentration of darkness, the philosophies, the evil that's there, if we're afraid of losing whatever small things we have here. I mean, God is preparing. We have to realize the magnitude of what God intends. He wants to change the earth. And you may not be the one that goes, you know, into Iraq or Iran or anywhere else, but there is an equal depth in the spirit can, that can be apprehended in your life here. And your faith here and your prayer here and your walk here fuels what goes on when those are sent out. That's what it means to have an apostolic house. Drew, don't go away. Can you come up here actually, Drew? But God is still training us. We are in the middle of training. And I want to I bless my, my friend Drew here. Drew, come stand here. Most of us know Drew. See, he's a part of this house and he's on a journey and God has fashioned him for a function, for a role in this battle. And the ultimate, the last enemy we fight is hell and death. Death is one of the last enemies we strike. And God is preparing a church that operates in resurrection life to confront death. We are confronting, but this, we are confronting the spirit of death on many, many levels right now. And one of the, one of the levels is in the realm of abortion. Abortion is a manifestation of the spirit of death in one of the most graphic ways in our land. I mean, yet in terrorism, yes, in war, yes, in those things, the spirit of death is unleashed. But I'm telling you, the spirit of death has been unleashed in our land. And God is training us to release a sound that's not primarily political, but it's, it's life couched in a, you know, packaged in something. And, uh, as Drew has grown in his appreciation of life, it's translated into a strategy for releasing a word of life. And so he's released a documentary to touch on this issue, to bring life to women, not to be against women, to bless women, because it's life. And uh, when we met here, he was, uh, Michael was just mentioning, he, somebody he was connected with who was doing this part of this hush thing that's going around Manitoba. I said, oh, that, that, that came here. That's, that's Drew's project. And I don't know, I just wanted to, to bless Drew, and I want you to see that the manifestations of the life that we touch and worship will make its way into the avenues of your life in practical ways, even if it's just in the conversation you have in the lunchroom at the workplace where you live. It may not take the form of a documentary. It may not take the form of a, a minister in outreach. But every time you speak from the place of life in a world of death, you advance the kingdom of God. So reach your hands right now towards this expression of life. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we want to bless you for how you are developing each of us, and, but particularly Drew and Julia and Joseph in this project right now. God, we want to thank you for the manifestation of life that's coming, not only in this documentary, but in other expressions. Lord, we say, raise up, raise up out of this region of Alberta and Canada, 
manifestations of life that cut through the lies, that cut through the political darkness. God, make us so conversant with life that we literally lose life in everything we do. And Father, we say, let the deposit that is in hush carry it to your desired end, Father. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Michael's a great up-and-coming apostolic leader in our nation, planting a new work in Brandon, Manitoba. So let's give him a few minutes to come and share what's on his heart. Can you do that? Amen. Well, bless you. It's such an honor and a, and a privilege to, uh, to be with you all this morning. Uh, I've uh, gotten to know Pastor Mark over the last year, and uh, I knew of him before that, so your reputation precedes you. <laughs> uh, I run with, uh, with quite a various crowd of people from all across Canada, and uh, some of my spiritual fathers have, uh, have walked with Pastor Mark for a very long time in the nation, and uh, he's very highly respected across our nation as, uh, as, a, as a very uh, prophetic voice into speaking into the nation of Canada and into the nations. And so uh, you, you need to understand and, and recognize and honor the greatness of what God places right, right within you. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. And a lot of times, um, and Pastor Mark didn't pay me to say this, by the way, but uh, it's so often greatness sits amongst you and you're not even aware of it because of familiarity. You know that? It said of Jesus, it said that he, he could not do many mighty works in his hometown because they kept saying, isn't this the carpenter's son? Didn't, didn't he make my table? Isn't he the one that, that spun the spindles from my chair? And so you need to honor those and, and look and watch with the eyes of your spirit to see who God has placed honor on. He honors everyone, but there are those that he, he places a special call and a special anointing on. And you need to look especially hard for those amongst your own Amongst, amongst yourselves and give honor to those to whom honor is due. Amen? Because there's a blessing in it for you. It's not about, about paying homage to them. It's about a blessing. God set you up for a blessing for you in how you honor what he honors. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, I'm just going to, uh, you just tell me when to land this thing and we'll bring it in. Uh, I'm just going to crack open just a couple uh, little nuggets here for you this morning. Uh, what's that? Go up there. Oh, yeah, sure, we can pull it down there. Probably easier to read, read from the Bible if it's stationary, although I'm not very good at being stationary. I'll try. Let's see here. Hallelujah. So, Lord, this morning I just release a spirit of understanding right now, Father. We just invite the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you to flood our hearts and minds and come to be our teacher this morning, O oh God. And Father, there'd be something you would plant deeply within our hearts this morning, Lord God. And Father, you would bring forth fruit in season in Jesus' name. Um, the, um, Pastor Mark asked me if I would be willing to come and, and just spend some time with, uh, with you guys and, uh, and speak to your school of ministry this week. And so that's what we're going to do. I'm just going to crack open a couple of little nuggets here this morning, and uh, I'm probably going to build on those with the uh, School of Ministry students later this week. So, um, Turn to Isaiah 2 in your Bible really quickly. Isaiah chapter 2. All right, this is also found in Micah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. Everybody say pass. In the latter days. In the latter days. That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains. And shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations, everybody say all nations. Shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, for he will teach us his ways, and he, or we shall walk in his paths for out of Zion. Okay, we'll stop there. All right. So all the nations are going to flock to the mountain of the house of the Lord for him to teach them his ways. Amen? 
All right. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase, everyone say increase, of his government, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it, establish it, with judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. We need to understand that God is in the business that from the resurrection of Jesus Christ off the, off the cross, out of the grave, to the right hand of the Father, His kingdom started to be established. And of the increase of His government, there shall be no end. Amen? All right. Now, Flip forward. This is, I know this is really fast. You can get the podcast. First <laughs> uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 4. The title is The Chosen Stone and His Chosen People. Therefore, laying aside all malice, sorry, verse 4, coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and offense." They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you, everybody say, but you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are the people of God, who had obtained mercy uh, those who had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy. Key factor of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a priest and a king. God's people are called to be priests and kings. And in the body of Christ in North America, we've been very, very good at being priests. We've been very diligent at being priests. We come to church on Sunday, we put in our two hours. We do our priestly duties. What we haven't done is we have not done a very diligent job of being kings. And this is what Pastor Mark was just talking about, about the illustration about the parents disengaging. It's pretty scary. It's pretty scary. When, when we disengage from society, when we disengage from our sphere of influence, when we disengage from the place to which God has planted us as the church, because how many of you know this is not church right here. Do you know that? This is not church. The church is sitting here, but it's also all out there. It's all over the place. When God looks at the church of a region, he doesn't say, oh, there's the Baptists, and there's my Pentecostals, and there's my first um, full Gospels, and there's my vineyards. He looks and he says, where's my church? Where's my church for Spruce Grove? And he looks in the banks, in the lawyer's offices, in the garbage trucks, everywhere. And he says, where's my church? Where's my church? Where are my kings? Where are my priests? Because God is in the business of doing something. He's in the business of becoming the desired of nations. He's in the business of becoming the desired of nations through you. You see, the only opportunity and the only way that the world has to be able to see Jesus Christ today is manifesting through you, his body. And if they can't see him through you, he will never become the desired of nations. And if he never becomes the desired of nations, the desired of nations can't come. How many of you know that if he's going to be the desired of nations, he has to become desired? Amen? And how many of you know that that's part of your job as priests and kings? 
If the only place the world can see Jesus is if they come into our doors of our equipping centers on a Sunday morning or a Friday night or a Wednesday night or whenever we have it open, if that's the only time and place that they can see Jesus, how many of you know that 90% of our community is never going to see Jesus? Think about that for a minute. 90% of your community will never step inside your church building or what we've known as the church. So that requires something of us. It requires us to begin to go out and to begin to be the church where our sphere of influence is and where we're called to. Let me wrap up with this. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. You hear that? Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Verse 4, for he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Do you want to know what the problem is with that? The problem is this. When you get politicians and leaders and different governing authorities from civic to provincial to national to international to the UN who start calling good evil and evil good, do you know what happens? All the people that are doing the things of God get labeled as lawbreakers. And they legitimately use the God-given authority that they have been given by the right of their office to execute wrath and judgment against you for obeying God. Do I need to repeat that? you you got to catch this. If you don't catch this, we're doomed. <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> but we're going to catch it. And so we're going to transform, we're going to change. Because you're called as an agent of change and transformation within your environment. Okay? If we only have leaders who come into political office in civil governance, in provincial governance, in national governance, in international governance, in places of influence and, and authority in our city, in our school boards, in different places like that, if we only have people who don't have the mind of Christ occupy those positions, how many of you know that they are under the influence of the God of this world? Right. There's no neutrality of ground. There's either kingdom or there's kingdom of light or there's kingdom of darkness. And if you haven't been translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, how many of you know that you are not in the kingdom of light? And therefore your, count, your uh, conscience is darkened and so is your counsel. That's where stuff like this bill, whatever number it is, 10, 13, 10, is coming from. How many of you realize it's not coming from the kingdom of light? Do you know why it's come, into the kingdom of, uh, come from the kingdom of darkness into being? Do you know why they're going to start calling people who are uh, purporting the right ways of God and, and, and declaring the things of God, and they're going to start calling them lawbreakers? Because those who are uh, under the influence of the evil one have come into those positions of authority that God ordained. You see, God does not appoint every person to, to political office or into a place of authority. He creates the position. Who occupies it is our responsibility. Whoever occupies it is our responsibility. If someone under the council of the kingdom of darkness occupies it, they have the prerogative to pass laws that say that good is evil and evil is good. And then when you become a transgressor of the new law they passed of saying that evil is good and good is evil, and you become a transgressor, they use the lawful judgment of God for, uh, afforded to their position to execute wrath and judgment on you and to persecute you. And unfortunately, over the history of mankind, it has always had to be under persecution that we have ever learned to thrive and to really be the people of God. What would happen if, and I believe we're in a critical moment in the season of Canada right now, where we are at a pivot point right now, where we have an opportunity to either learn to thrive in blessing or perish in our blessing and be relegated to the place where our children's children are going to be the persecuted who will become the real church at that point. Nowhere, except for a little small piece of time between the reign of David and Solomon, spend some time looking at it. 
did the nation of Israel learn to thrive under blessing. But the majority of their time that they spend, they spend in the place of persecution and learning to thrive in persecution. To come wholeheartedly after God when the persecution came. And part of that window that we, that we, um, we, we missed a bit of a window with this last election. And there are some things that are going to begin to, to go this direction of Bill 10 uh, in our nation and right across our nation uh, because of the window that we missed. And so the level of blessing we could have walked in as a nation in learning to uh, carry the presence of God in the midst of blessing, part of that window has been closed. But whether we lose any more ground or not is up to us. And so it's time to learn how to be the church. It's time to learn how to get equipped, learn how to get trained, learn how to function in that. And so it's time to be the church. Amen? So, uh, is that this one or is it somewhere else? So, uh, I would encourage you, the ministry schools operate, uh, be going to be meeting starting 9 o'clock Tuesday morning. It's open to whoever. It'll be in the fellowship hall. So, if you want to come, and, uh, and I encourage you to come and be a part of that along with our, our students. Um, but, uh, you know, there was, uh, hold on a second, there was something he was saying there that I wanted to just tack on to. Um, oh, I can't remember what it is, but, um, oh, I know. The exhortation of Paul in his day, and it was a day of crisis. You know, the, the church was being persecuted. They were being chased down. They were being killed. Yeah, but, and under that, he, he still had to remind them of the urgency of not becoming entangled in civilian life. He was reminding them of the nature of the conflict. If he had to remind Israel or the, the Jewish people, the Jewish believers at that time, while they're being persecuted, while their houses are being sold and stolen and they're being put to death, of the urgency of the moment, how much more so now? So if you grow tired of, you know, being reminded of the urgency of the moment, you don't know what the urgency of the moment is. If there was ever a time when we should be single-heartedly devoting ourselves to impacting our nation for the cause of good and righteousness, it's now. It is now. Because the confusion that's coming, not only through this kind of legislation, but the legislation that's coming after it, will make your head spin. Uh, Len Zoderman, whom you know, just shared yesterday that a law was just passed in California that said if a confused child who wants to be called whatever sex they feel like that morning is dissuaded from that position by their parents, they can be arrested and put in jail. I mean, this, was, this law was passed in California. And it's being passed right now in Alberta, basically taking away the parental authority for you to even influence your child in this regard. If we let this go, you will be arrested and put in jail as a parent for keeping your child from being a cat. That's the foolishness that's coming. But it's prophesied in Romans chapter 1. We were told over 2,000 years ago that if we do such and such, we will do this and this and this and this. It's chronicled very clearly. And those who 50 years ago began to attack the absolutes of our society, the foundations of our society, probably never imagined that this is where it was going to come to. It probably seemed very reasonable to them at the time. But this is the reasonableness of it. We're seeing the fruit of it now. It is utter confusion. And it, I guarantee you, it only gets worse. If you think this is the limits, no. It's just starting. So call to war. Call to action. Call to stand up. Call to make your lives count for your children and our children's children. Amen? 
I know there's information out there. There's some rallies taking place. There's some things to try to influence our Alberta government. There are people in this room that I believe are called to public office. Starting with uh, on a citywide level, you need to hear the heart of God in this regard and start stepping in to these offices. Okay? Father, thank you for the opportunity. Chris? I just want to share, too, because we, uh, we prayed for something a while ago, and we prayed for uh, a vote that took place in our community about the realignment for the schools. And uh, I'm not sure if most of you have heard, but that vote has taken place, and uh, they are going to be separating the MCP program out of Broxton Park, and they are going to be splitting them and moving them into two schools. And it's one of those things where all of a sudden you see fear starting to grip the hearts of all the Christian parents, and all of a sudden half of the people that are part of the MCP program right now are wanting to pull their kids out of the program completely because of their frustration and their anger. And I'm going to be an advocate that says, don't do that. In fact, now that our kids are going into Woodhaven and Brookwood, we get to choose to be a light in a dark place. And we have a responsibility now to train and equip our kids to actually be that light. And so I want to encourage you to begin to pray into this, that the parents don't act out of anger and frustration. Uh, otherwise, the program just dies, and then what? You know, but now I look at this and say, what the enemy is meant for evil, God will use for good. And so God's going to transform these schools. That's what I believe, and we need to pray into this. Amen. Now, the good news is this. At the end of the day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's the question of what peaks and valleys do we meet between there, here and there. Okay. And God will have a people who will establish the kingdom, who will walk in full obedience to him. Uh, it's just how long is it going to take us to get there under, and under what conditions? Is it under the conditions of blessing or under the conditions of persecution and forced social servitude. Uh, we decide. So, bless you all. Um, keep it up. Keep up the good work. <laughs> we'll see you Wednesday night, except I won't see you. Others will see you. And love one another. <laughs>